I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're on Long Final, Ireland's aviation podcast. Squawk 7000. Jeez, it was a moment of madness, really. Got the license, helped a friend of mine build an aircraft years ago, and then got in my head, I'd like my own aircraft. That's Mark Brereton, pilot and aircraft builder. So I went online, did a little bit of hunting, what's available. Got in contact with a guy that had a um, certain type of aircraft. Um, got the price off him. Three weeks later, it arrived in boxes. And then I realised, am I mad? When I opened up these boxes, I said, am I mad? He says, what am I doing? But the best move ever. Best move ever. So what do you like with the piece of Ikea furniture? Desperate. <laughs> Desperate. I'd pay the guy to come down and do the Ikea furniture. Mm. But let me build an airplane. Any day. <laughs> How many have you done? Ooh, to date, probably about seven. Seven and then rebuilt one. And then I give a lot of guys a hand building their own aircraft as well. Because it's a great thought conference when you have a guy that has built them before. He might necessarily know what he's doing, but it's in their head he knows what he's doing, so it's, it's good for them. Okay, well, let, let's explore it a little bit further, because there might be somebody listening to us who thinks, you know, I'd like to have a go at that too, I've always had the idea. But I imagine there's a couple of hurdles you've got to get over first. Like, bring us right back to the very beginning. You obviously need a place to do it. You do. Not everybody can go and uh, buy an aircraft and build it. There's a process you have to go through. So you have to be affiliated with an organisation. So in Ireland, you have the likes of National Micro Light Association or ILAS or someone like that. And basically what they do, they oversee the build of the aircraft. So you can't just willy-nilly buy an aircraft, build it and expect to fly it. There's a certain process you have to go through. So the first process, you will send an email to just say, in our case, it's the National Micro Light Association. And you say, introduce yourself to Johnny McGee. I'm interested, interested in buying this particular type of aircraft and I want to home build it is it okay with yourselves and what we do there first as a National Micro Association you have to make sure the aircraft is approved in the country before you build because some guys buy in these home build kits and all that from the states and that and they will never fly in this country because they're not allowed they have to be approved in this country and that's vital and a lot of people are not aware of this so they'll, they'll um, inform us of the type of aircraft just say in this case it's a Ventura and uh, they'll apply say I want to build a Ventura so what will happen then is we will have a technical com- committee meeting and we will send an inspector down to his premises. Make sure he has the shed, he has the tools, and you're kind of doing an unofficial interview because you'll get to see, does this guy know what he's doing? Mm. Is he tec- technically minded? So you'll know straight away, yes or no, whether he can build or not, and then you just go from there. So that'll be the first stage. He'll apply for his kit, He'll uh, the kit will arrive. We'll go down then with him when the kit's opened up, check it make sure he knows what he's doing and just run through the process with him. So then um, he'll start building. 
and he'll build in different sections or different stages. So basically, we'll have, um, from an inspector point of view, from the Michael Association, you have what's called stage inspections. So just say for Iron, Big Iron, you were to buy this aircraft. Yeah, or we should say we're standing beside a, uh, an ICP uh, Ventura. Ventura, ICP yeah. Ventura yeah. yeah. So just say you were to buy this, this kit. The kit will arrive in your house in numerous boxes. And the first thing you will build will be, say, the back fuselage. So you will start assembling the back fuselage, take out all the parts, check them, paint them, prime them, whatever you need to do, assemble the fuselage, but you will not cover it. So an inspector will come down, an NMI inspector, who generally is trained or has um, some sort of um, background in aviation um, building and stuff like that. He will come down and he will check the fuselage, every component, to make sure it's safe to cover before you close it over. Mm -hmm. Because remember, once a lot of these aircraft, once it's closed over, it's very hard to see little bits and pieces. So you can't see the botch job? No, there'll be no botch jobs. No, there'll be no botch jobs. If there's a botch job, you're doing it wrong. So an inspector will, and under no excuses, it has to be exactly as the manual says. No excuses. So that's why the inspector is there. Plus the inspector will see something wrong that you won't see wrong. And a second pair of eyes, in my case, I'd be probably the most experienced guy on the ICP Savannas and Venturas here in Ireland, but it's always great to have another inspector come in and look because he will see something I don't see. So a second set of eyes is always really, really good. Okay, we'll go back to the build process in a minute, but I'm just thinking, you've actually been over to the factory. Does that give you a particular advantage then? Because you know, we're looking at an airplane, you can buy it either from the factory or you can buy it self-build. What's the advantage of one over the other? It's all to do with licensing, believe it or believe it not. In the microlight category, you can buy, a microlight category is up to 450 kgs, which we hope will change to 600 kg in the not too near future. But where you're limited with that is, you can buy factory-built 450 kg or you can build it yourself. But if I want to buy the same aircraft, 600 kg, and it's factory built, it has to be a YASA approved. So you're getting into a whole different territory, higher costs, higher maintenance fees. You cannot do any of the maintenance on the aircraft yourself. But if you want to buy a 600 kg home build, you can build it at home in your own shed. And it's basically, it's, it's just a difference of licensing to suit different guys, whether they want to fly factory built or home built for 400 kg or 600 kg. And the home builds are under kind of an experimental category, would that be right? Experimental is not used in Ireland. Mm. They don't like the word experimental. So mm. it's basically, it's just home built. Mm. It's home built aircraft. And you can also buy, you see from the factory, you don't have to buy a full flat pack home build. You can buy a fast build kit. So I can go to the factory and I can order, just say yourself wants to build a Savannah or a Zen Air or whatever aircraft you want, you can buy what's bought a fast, you can buy a fast build kit. So basically, it'll come out of the factory and it'll have the fuselage assembled. It might have the wings assembled. Now, when I say assembled, they're not painted. They're only assembled. <clears throat> so they will come um, pre prepared, ready for painting, ready for on, and it takes a lot of your build out. And it still falls under the golden rule when it comes to home building is 51% rule. So if you build, if you, to, to, to qualify as a home-built aircraft, you have to build 51% of that aircraft. So in real terms, the building of the fuselage and wings is a very, very, very small percentage of building an aircraft. Where the time goes in is painting, wiring, assembling, engine assembly, propeller assembly. Hours and hours and hours of building and tweaking go into it. We do have a saying when we're building an aircraft, the first two months you come in, you build your aircraft, you say, I'll have this flying in three months because the wings are assembled, the fuselage assembled. And next thing you're four weeks under the dash and it looks like there's nothing done and you start to get deflated. And that's when guys start to run out of interest in the machine. I was going to say that to you. Like, how many unfinished kits are there in the world? Oh, lords. <laughs> I couldn't answer that question. But there's quite a few unfinished kits. Yeah. What happens? Uh, just to put simply, guys lose their mojo. 
I think very, very important, and I've seen from past experience, when it comes to building kits, have a few. Have a few guys building the kit with you. Mm. It's supposed to be fun. You have a project to do, right? You have a goal, you have a deadline, but it's supposed to be fun. And when you're working away for hours and hours on your own, you can lose interest very, very, very quick. So we have a couple of guys building. Um, we've one guy in Mayo, myself and Pat, another friend of mine here. We do take on us to go up and we give him a hand just to push him on because the kid's going very slow and he's losing his interest. So we go and we push it on. We go up and we three of us there working for a day equals maybe a month of his work. And it gives him the drive to get it done. A lot of it too then, a lot of the older kits would have been, say, bought off plants. So you have to buy all the raw material yourself, you have to buy all the timber, you have to buy everything, cut it and drill it. The older type kits, the vast majority, I won't say the vast majority, but maybe 50% of them would never be seen. Whereas with the newer kits, all the kits come fully drilled, you don't have to drill any holes, so it's like a big mechano set, so you will finish it quicker. Plus, most kits come now with everything included. So you're not spending days driving from here to there, trying to get little bits and pieces that are impossible to get. What sort of investment then is somebody thinking about if they're, you know, if they're going to bring this up at home and say, do you know what, I think I'd like to spend a few quid in building an aeroplane. How do you start that conversation and how much are we talking about to the credit union? There's another golden rule when it comes to kits. Buy the kit and then just <laughs> ask for forgiveness. <laughs> You've done that yeah, seven yeah, times. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. My, my first kit, I used to go into the, the manager of the credit union and he used to turn around and he used to say to me, geez, that fit, kitchen's flying lovely. <laughs> no, but generally, um, listen, there's different budgets, different airplanes, different kits. It's like you can go with Savannah's, Sky Rangers, they're all in round. Basic kit, 25,000 euro. Sounds like a lot of money, but for that 25,000 euro, especially in the case of the Savannah, you get everything you need firewall for, from firewall, firewall back, I should say. So you have... The full aircraft, fuselage, wings, wheels, instruments in the panel, excluding your radio and transponder naturally enough, because everyone has a preference to what make they want to use for that. And then what you will have to add to it, you'll have to add a propeller or an engine that'd be a new engine or second-hand engine. So you can get away quite lightly. Now there is cheaper kits out there. You can buy Xairs and you can buy stuff like that as well, but um, generally your kits, you're looking in around the 20s, 20s thousand say, just to kick up and going, and then add your engine propeller. As against buying it from the factory? Uh, against buying it from the factory, yeah, factory, you'd be saving see, various aircraft, different price, but it's just generally it's Savannah sitting on the ground, ready to fly, excluding radios and transponders, you're looking at about 70,000. You know what I mean? And of course, there's the cost of your labour then is the difference in between, but you're saying that should be fun, it should be passion. It well, should that's be it, enjoy. that's it. Yeah, no, so you're pay, when you're buying factory-built aircraft, you're paying for labour. And you're paying, like the biggest part of any of these aircraft is the painting. The painting, yeah, priming and painting takes more time than building any fuselage. Mm. I'll give you an example. See this wing here? Yeah. I would safely lay, lay that wing out flat pack on the ground, on a, a big table, and I would have it ready to cover within five hours. It's really, really simple because there's very little in it. You have mains bars, you have ribs, you click with them all together and then you check everything and then you're ready for riveting. At this stage, you have, you have all the parts primed beforehand and then you just come along, put the outer skin on, click with all and then we have an air riveter, go along and it pulls all the rivets at the same force, so it's bang, 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 bang. Literally a couple of hours does it. So there's no made, people look at a wing in aircraft and say, Jesus, it must have taken weeks to build that. It's actually the quickest and easiest thing to build. The wing on the Sky Ranger over there, literally two hours. Yeah. Two hours to do the wing in a Sky Ranger because it's a fabric that pulls up over the frame like a sock. So you just pull it, open it up, put in your tensioners, it pulls the wing tight, job done. There's very little to it. Yeah. Allow 
maybe another two hours before that prepping the framework and on, underneath, you know what I mean? But it's very, very simple. As you can see yourself, we're standing beside the Sky Ranger now. Totally different wing than the Savannah. It's a, a fabric covered wing, but very, very easy. Very quick to assemble. And the same story, if I, you, we trial fit the wings, we're taking them on and off, you, you have the wings off in literally five minutes. There's no major issue taking the wings off. People think it's big, complicated stuff. They're designed to be taken apart. They have to be designed to take apart. Okay, let's go back to the build process. You've got the kit, it's arrived, you're in your shed, um, and a bit like, you know, I'm thinking back to the, the last time I made an Airfix kit and taking all the bits out and having a look at them. The do, you need, um, do you need a discipline, a, a work plan, a work process? You do. Most aircraft will come with a really, really complex build manual and it'll be stage by stage. And the one for, that comes from ICP that has for the Savannahs and Venturas is very detailed. It'll show you an illustrated diagram of all the parts and then it'll show you another illustrated diagram of how they're assembled and a listing, an index then showing the listing. And each part in the ICP kit is unique because it has a serial number. And that's, that's indexed in the manual as well. So you know that exact serial number is that. Because in every kit, you can get 10 or 11 parts that look exactly the same. But there could be little holes, there could be two or three mil difference. And you don't know, is that for the left side, is that for the right side? But in, uh, in fairness, ICP, there's a little serial number, so you see exactly. So basically, you lay them out flat on the table. You'll give them a wipe down, degrease them, and then you'll prime them. And then you let them, you'll wait for them to dry, and then you'll go assembling. And the assembling actually comes together very, very quick. You'll spend more time priming and painting than assembling. But you'll assemble certain parts, you'll clico them all together. And a clico is basically, it's, it's just a device that holds all the pieces together before you put rivets in. Because when you put a rivet in, it's fixed. So you clico it all together, make sure it's all right, make sure it's all aligned, and then you start riveting. That's one you built. That's one. That's one of ours going out there now with a, a student and instructor in it. Um, that's Savannah. What, what do you remember of that build? <sighs> Wondering were we mad? <laughs> yeah, we built that. That's that's actually a 600 kg machine. This is where we go back to before. So we have for training in this country at 600 kg, and we're actually the first country in the world to allow home builds for training. Where this came from was basically. If the rules state you have to have factory-built aircraft for, for flight training, but the f for factory-built aircraft, we were using the Savannah, right? In this case, we haven't Ventura in the training process yet. For the Savannahs, the rules were you had to use factory-built. So to be factory-built, as I said, you had to be under 450 kg. But realistically, if you put the Savannah there, myself and yourself sitting it and full of fuel, <coughs> you're over 450 kg. So we made this case at IEA and they totally agreed with us. They were actually in fairness to them now, they were on par with this to see where we're coming from. And we showed them that we can have two aircraft side by side, one registered at 600 kg and one at 450. So where was the sense in limiting it to 450 kg for training? And realistically, there's no difference in the home built and the factory built aircraft. Structurally, they're exactly the same. I was going to say that because for people who are listening to us and maybe can't see, um, you might have a vision in your head of home built being almost a little bit hokey looking. The interior of this airplane beside us is stunning. Like it, this is, you know, this is really smart. It's got really high tech in it. You see, you have to remember, let it be factory built or home built, it's the very same kit. So the parts are laid out in the factory the very same way on a table and assembled. So you're using the very same manufactured parts. 
just means me and you and a couple of our friends want to get it rather than five or six people in the factory. Mm. And I have this um, saying, I sometimes I reckon there's more detail and attention put into a home-built aircraft because you're building it yourself. <laughs> It's your kids that are going to be flying in it and you're going to do it right. Yeah. Whereas in a, a factory, if the same people building the aircraft are there, just doing a job. We all, we all remember the Friday car, yeah, or the Monday car. Exactly, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Or the one on a Wednesday, please. <laughs> <laughs> You'll always put more detail and time into your own aircraft. And as you see yourself, you sit, sit them side by side. There's a prime example. There's two Savannahs there. The near one is 450 kg uh, factory built. The other one is home built. What's the difference? different colour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's no difference in the aircraft. But obviously operating them differently uh, when it comes to it. Yep. L- let's go back uh, then uh, to the stage we've, we've maybe, maybe we've got to, I don't know, are there, there markers? As you say, the fuselage, the wings go on, the engine goes on, the, the avionics are in. Um, what's the next big hurdle uh, then at that stage? Uh, you know, the final inspection, what's that like? Yeah, the final inspection t- is, takes, is, is a long process. So basically what will happen is you'll assemble the whole aircraft and then your inspector will come down and sign it off. So at that stage, the IA or the NMEI will come down and they will um, give it a final permit. At this stage, now you'll have to be applying for the Irish Aviation Authority for your reg and all the usual. Mm-hmm. So you get a registration search sent out to you. And then at that stage, the NMEI or ILAS or whoever you're dealing with will come down to a final inspection on the aircraft and then it'll have to go through its test flying process. So that's... Yeah. Hang on a second. Right. You've built this aeroplane. It's been in your shed for what, maybe two years, if you're... Yeah. Or, yeah. And the first flight. What's that like? Uh, yeah, the Czech flights can be yeah, quite nervy. Mm. Quite nervy. Um, generally, this day and age, you know they're solid aircraft. They're a good aircraft. And if the aircraft is built exactly as spec, you should have no major issues. And a lot of the uh, companies, aircraft companies give you all the deflections and everything for all the control surfaces. And with ICP, they actually give you jigs. So there's a jig that literally fits onto the aircraft over the ailerons and you move it up and down and adjust it to suit that. So you know it's exactly as the manufacturer. So you have a good idea, it's 100%. Yeah. But still, you're quite nervy. I've checked flown quite a few airplanes here now and new builds. And I love doing it, don't get me wrong, but I have good faith in the builders. I won't check fly an aircraft I don't know that I haven't if someone rang me I've built an aircraft will you check fly them there no way mm. you have to have faith in that person but there's a lot before you check fly I'll do a lot of ground running and at that stage the owner will have run the engine in for a couple of hours because if you have a new engine you can't trust a new engine cable could break or something could go wrong but you just yeah you just get in and always expect something to go wrong I'm always expecting a fuel lock you know, I mean, air bubbles or, you know, just, some, just something in the fuel system or a cable to break or something. You just If you're expecting it and it happens, you deal with it. But nine times out of ten, very, very few issues. Might get a little bit of rough running carburetors, not exactly synchronised because you run them on the ground. When you go to full power, it's different. No, it's minor things, but at that stage, the aircraft is well flyable anyway, so. Mm. But your heart is always racing, though. It's like, whoa, it's like that first date. <laughs> Are you a perfectionist? No, not by any means. I've heard otherwise. No, no, no. I think if you're a perfectionist, especially when it comes to aircraft terms, you can be, you can never stop fiddling with an aircraft and you can do too much. And years ago, we used to be a saying with a lot of old two-stroke engines that they all stopped because everyone was trying to get them to run better and better and better. I'm a perfectionist in as far as if the manual says do this, do this. I know no better than the manual. If the manufacturer says you have to do this, they're the experts. Do it exactly as they say. Mm-hmm. So I'd say no. 
What is it like when you are flying an airplane that you've built? Do you do you have an, an ear to every rattle and every sound in it? Or oh, definitely, yeah. When you when you've built an aircraft, you we'll, we'll walk in. It's getting cold. Yeah. Um, when you when you build an aircraft, you know it inside out. That's and that is a beauty with home building. So if we're up flying and there's a slight noise, a vibration. Nine times out of ten, I'd say, I know what that is. It's not a big problem. Continue on. We'll fix it when we land. Mm -hmm. Whereas people that haven't experienced that panic. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Um, It's a great way to be. And people will learn these things over time if they haven't home built. But it takes a while, you know? Mm -hmm. But everything is easy to fix. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Talk a little bit more about how you found yourself even doing this. Do you remember your first flight? Is it on here? Um, my first flight, yes. My first flight years ago. Would you believe I was in Australia? And a friend of mine was into flying, and I always hung around Irish Parish Club as a young lad for years. And I was in Australia, and a mate of mine rang me and said, Hey, bud, how are you getting on? Do you fancy coming home and learning how to fly? I said, uh, Gave a three seconds thought, yeah, why not? <laughs> and then he says, Right, he says, if you come home, we'll go to France in two weeks' time. And we went over to France and started training over there. And my first training flight was in France. And literally, home, Australia, how are you, man? How are you, that? Right, going to France, good luck. That was it. <laughs> um, great, great experience. Just fell in love with it. Why do you love it? Why do I love it? I don't. I can't answer that question. I just do. I just. I find I just get into the airplane. I switch off. I just get into airplane mode and just fly. And I love it. I just. I like the the great bunch of friends around it. 
like you know people from all over the country and even UK and France and you get to know everyone and when you arrive over to their place they, they treat you like their family members it's just a great camaraderie it's great just great social scene as well as the flying but I just love the flying Mark 7 built what's next? Seven's old <laughs> no um, what is next is a good question next for us is in relation to the savannas and that we're hoping to push the UK market that's going to take quite a lot of work and we're also just hoping to push the aircraft um, we've two more kits arriving in February so we'll actually bring you down when we start and we'll actually show you the build process some of them please God mm-hmm. next jeez I don't know <laughs> Keep it sounds almost enough doesn't it yeah I mean, quite, it's, it's quite time consuming like this is all voluntary it's all like this is not our 9 to 5 job we have jobs in real life and family and stuff to, to deal with as well so it does take up quite a lot of time um, on our behalf anyway and especially bringing in the aircraft and building and selling and so when these two kits arrive in um, you know will you be missing uh, off the radar for a while and, and how, much, how much time does it take uh, from, from your week when you're building if I was building one for myself I'd be inclined to get it stuck in and I'd try and get it built within three months now that's I have the experience to do that I'm self-employed I'm lucky I can do that as well I have a good bunch of friends will come in and dig out generally when we're building most evenings I have a little warehouse we go into and we build the aircraft in them and we can build them some nights you could have six guys in helping building and I try and run workshops for future buyers as well so they're actually in building the aircraft with me so I'll give you an example one of these kids that's arriving in a couple of weeks time the owner has now helped build a tree aircraft with me and in the last aircraft he's done quite a lot in his own with it so when his own aircraft kit comes he has the advantage he will be able to fly through certain sections because he has the workshop done I, I call them workshops they're unofficial training but, and what I do every now and then is I try and bring five or six guys over to the factory and to see the whole process of building and the video it, and what we do is we go over to the factory and the factory are very accommodating they will say how two or three um, of their workers with us and we will build certain parts of the aircraft and they will oversee it and then they will get their quality team come down and check it and sign it off and then the guys know then it's done to the same standard as they have which is great plus they can see every part of the factory how the parts are made where they come in in raw material come in sheets of aluminium and how each part is made great, it's great and it's great, it's great vision for them to see the strength of the aircraft as well plus to get to see the factory test flying them and that really optimizes just how strong the aircraft are because the test flying day through and the manoeuvre they put them through we will never ever ever meet the loads they're, they're putting them so it's, 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 that's a great selling point Mark, we should mention that we're here in Lime Tree and um, there's a whole lot of fun flying going on Yes, well, that's the whole, that's the, the nature of, of, of Lime Tree. It's supposed to be fun fly, club atmosphere, and that's what makes it so successful. Um, even though with the flying schools up here, the golden rule is it's a club. Everyone's welcome in, everyone's brought flying. There's no airs and graces, who you are, what job you are. You, no, can, you can walk in here in a pair of John Deere overalls, a pair of wellies to go flying, no one cares. Yeah. You could be a doctor, it's all the one. Everyone's flying and having fun. Yeah. And whether you're flying a machine that costs 30000 or 300000 it makes no difference. We're all flying, it's a club, it's yeah. good fun. Yeah. And in fairness to Jerry Deegan, the owner of the, of the club, he's a great promoter to aviation in, in, in Ireland. It's, it's, it's down to what we call grassroots flying it's affordability flying like years ago guys were flying in machines like the weight shifts over in the corner there uh, two stroke machines 
flying in out of short little grass strips on a summer's day you could go to a field it could be 30 people lying out just watching having the crack and it's the same thing that's kind of carried on here there's days we come in here there could be 14 or 15 aircraft outside lovely day and no one flying because we'd be all sitting around the table having a barbecue and having a laugh mm. telling lies and having fun and is there any old snobbery left from the, from the, the older uh, aeroplanes to these, these newer ones uh, uh, to be politically correct no but yes <laughs> to be politically correct <laughs> there is no there, th- listen there would be and it's 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 kind of old school thinking as I'd say it you'd have a lot of guys that would be years ago looking you know to see these machines coming in and say oh they're not proper airplanes and they're not this and oh they're only microlites you can't go anywhere in them and then you'd see things start to change when we'd fly back into like so Weston or somewhere and they say oh where are you have to come from in your little microlite and then you turn around and say oh I'm just coming back from France and they're there looking at you and said, oh, where did you go? I went to Sligo mm. in their 172. And said, you went to France with that thing. You're mad. It's just, no, they're well capable. Mm. You fly across the UK, fly across France. Uh, and more importantly, I built it myself. And more importantly, I built it myself. Exactly. <laughs> and as we used to have a saying, one certain instructor in a, in a, in a well-astound um, flying school, we used to have to crack and I used to have to banter him. I'd often come in and land up. Oh, where are you going with your little windbreaker? And I'd say, I'm going everywhere, but you're dead right. It's my little windbreaker. <laughs> and, that's, that, and he used to laugh at me and says, you're dead right. And that's where we say, it doesn't matter what you have, what you want, once you're flying, you're having fun, you're a winner. And a special thank you to Mark Brayton and everybody at Lime Tree for their hospitality and facilitating our socially distanced interview as part of this edition of Long Final. You can get more information on building your own from funflyaerosports.ie or if it's about learning to fly at funfly.ie. Don't forget too, you can get a full briefing on aviation news in Ireland by subscribing to squawk7000.ie.